Good morning, church. Hey guys, y'all awake? All right, here we go. Come on, wake on up. Before I get into the message, a couple things I want to celebrate. So, um, like Sean said, we have over 700 people yesterday at Fall Fun Fest. We can golf clap at least for that. Now, here's the real. Here's where the real test comes. Real celebration. Okay. So, how many of you served yesterday? Would you stand up if, in any capacity, you served at all? Would you stand up real quick? And can we celebrate them? Thank you for serving. Thank you, guys. Awesome, y'all can sit back down, but we're gonna, you might have to stand up again, so just get ready, okay, you're going to exercise. Um, so stand up again uh, if you shared a conversation with somebody who's not a part of New Life. It's good. Stand up right now. If you had a conversation, awesome, let's celebrate these people. Great. Okay, one more time, sit back down. And here's the last test. If you invited someone to take a next step, whether it's get coffee with you, come to church on Sunday, breakfast with Santa, whatever, would you stand up if you invited somebody to take a next step? Awesome. 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 You guys can be seated. So the question is not how many people showed up. The question is how many people did we help take a next step with God? That's why we do the event. So it's not enough to get excited about 700 people. No. How many of us help people take a step? So thank you guys. Um, also, and I think probably a lot of y'all know this, but last Sunday we had two baptisms. Can we get excited about that? <laughs> Praise God. Uh, so Brian Brewer, he got baptized in the first service and that was planned. And then Paige Henning got baptized uh, after this service, which was really cool. And that was not planned. Her, her dad, Ryan, just said that it felt like the Holy Spirit put on his heart to ask her, hey, you consider getting baptized? And she went out and talked. She said, yeah. Um, so that, that was really cool. Um, God's up to a lot of good stuff. So I'm excited. Let's pray and I'm going to get to the message. Father, we're here this morning because we long for you. We want you. It's great that we have relationships with one another. And that's a great part of gathering together. But God, more than even our friendships, we want you. We want friendship with you. Even better than the songs we love to sing, the sermons that we love to hear, hopefully. <laughs> we want you, Lord. We want you. And so this morning, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us through your word, give each and every person an individual uh, message on their heart and a step that they can take to live it out. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Conflict. Friendships, at times, can have conflict. I know this to be true. So I had a high school friend. His name's Chandler. He's like Chandler, but with an O. So I love just saying Chandler. Um, Chandler is my high school friend. We went to class together, played sports together, hang out on the weekends together. And we were just really good friends. I, I really loved him and cared about him. And so he went to college, I went to college. We both went to Arkansas, and we were a couple of hours away from each other. He was playing baseball, I was playing football. And one weekend, Chan Lohr said, hey, come hang out with me in Fort Smith, Arkansas. So I go see him, and we're talking. We're just talking about old times. And um, I told Chan Lohr, I said, you know, you got a new girlfriend. Baseball's going good. But I told you in high school, you should have broken up with your ex-girlfriend, man, because you did not love that girl. You knew it. And I kept telling you, dude, quit dragging this thing out. You feel obligated. Break up with that girl. Well, so he eventually did, right, at that point. He was in college. He had a, he had a new girlfriend. 
And uh, so he told me, he said, oh, man, he said, and this is his words, not mine. Sorry for the language. But he said, I was being an idiot. He said, I was just being an idiot, man. And if I ever do something like that again, just tell me, Chandler, you're an idiot. And so we keep talking. And, you know, I asked him how school going, how's life going. I said, well, hey, how's things with your girlfriend? And he said, oh, dude, she is awesome. Things are going great. She's, you know, beautiful and she's athletic and really smart doing good in school. There's only one problem. She's married. Whoa, yeah. Hey, y'all are awake now. Okay, yeah. He said, she's married. And I said, Chandler, you remember when you gave me permission to tell you you're being an idiot? You're being an idiot. That was the last time we <laughs> talked. We were no longer friends after that. Because one of my friends was dating a married woman, and I said, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Lost a friend. I know what it's like to have conflict in friendships. And it's not unique to me. You all know, everybody in the room, at some time in your life or sometime in the future, you have or you will experience that even good friendships, even some of our best friends, we will have conflict with them. Some of you have had conflicts over significant others with your friends. Some of you, your friends gossip behind your back to other people and you had conflict. Others of you, maybe you had a friend, but then they started like hanging out with one of your other friends and now you're not like their best friend, you're just another friend. And so then you have conflict, right? And there's probably several different emotions that we feel. Some of us would get angry in those moments and we just think, after everything that I've done for them, how dare they? With righteous indignation. We just can't believe it. We're so mad. And others of us, we, we're probably just, we're just, we're heartbroken. And we're sad. And we feel like betrayed. Like, man, how, how could they do this after all that we've been through? And you've probably had a moment where you've thought to yourself internally, friendships aren't supposed to be this hard. They're supposed to be good and easy and friends, you know, it's not supposed to be hard. And so the question that we're going to ask this morning, the question we're going to wrestle with, is how can we navigate conflict in our friendships? How can we navigate conflict in our friendships? So we're going to open up the Word of God and see what does God have to say about this. And we're going to look at two friends in the Bible who had conflict. So if you've got a Bible, open up with me to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. If you're on your Bible app, paper Bible. If you don't have one, it'll be on the screen. You might never been to church before, you might not know what an axe is, you know, you don't even know what I'm talking about, it's okay, we're just really glad you're here, welcome to the family. So this is the last week in our friendship series, uh, I'm going to give y'all some context, I'm going to tell you the story of Paul and Barnabas, two friends in the Bible that we're going to look at today, and then we'll jump into one passage. Um, so here's what you need to know about this friendship, so Paul and Barnabas. There's a guy named Paul, but at the beginning of their friendship, he actually is going by the name Saul. So I need my Bible scholars out here. Tell me, what's the deal with the name? Saul, Paul, what's the deal with the name? Shout stuff out. When he was saved, he got a different name. Nod your head if, if you agree with that. Awesome. Awesome. And so he got saved when? On the road to Damascus, and so on the road to Damascus, God said, your name is no longer Saul, it's Paul, right? 
Wrong. Whoa, wait, hold on now. Hold on now. I got you guys. So, no, so hold on. What was the deal with his name? Does anybody know? Somebody might know. Mary, somebody might know. You don't know everybody in the room. I believe in you guys, okay? Unlike Mary. I'm kidding. Was it when he was blind that he gave him that? No, that's the same, same moment. So, so this is not like a main point in the story, but I just thought it would be funny. When you're at a party this weekend, you can tell your friends this. Um, Halloween party, uh, of course. Um, so Saul was this Jewish leader, right? Pharisee of Pharisees. And... Uh, and I actually, let me, I, I'll just tell you, I'll just spoil it right now and then I'll unpack all the, the story, okay? So most people think his name was Saul, he got saved, and then from that moment on, the road to Damascus, now he's named Paul. Just like when God said to Abram, Abram, your name isn't Abram anymore, it's Abraham, right? Except that never happened. And after the road to Damascus, his name is Saul at least 11 times. Do you know the moment his name first becomes Paul in the book of Acts? Acts chapter 13, the first missionary journey. He never got a new name. He had a Jewish name, and then he used the Roman version of his name because he was connecting with Gentiles, dual names. His name's still Saul, and his name's still Paul. He's in a Jewish, going from a Jewish to a Gentile context. Does that make sense? So it's not that he got saved and, hey, you can go from a Saul to a Paul. It's you can live on mission and you can become all things to all people so that you can win some. You can change your name to reach people. All right, I'm done. Okay, that's another message. Okay. So Saul, he's persecuting Christians. He's actually standing next to Stephen, the first Christian martyr who gets stoned, and he approves of it. That's how jacked up this guy is. He does not believe Jesus is the Messiah, and he, he is bent on stopping this church, the, the growth of the followers of Jesus. So he grabs them, he throws them into prison. He's doing all this stuff. And then one day, boom, Jesus meets him on the road and everything changes. He becomes a follower of Jesus. He's baptized and he immediately begins to make disciples. He didn't take a class for it. He didn't have to wait a year to do it. He immediately starts to share Jesus is the Messiah. Trust and follow him. Exactly. It'd be like someone from, let's say, Japan who comes to America and you can't pronounce their name. And so they say, hey, my name's Joey. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So that's exactly what's going on. Thank you. So, uh, so Saul's persecuting Christians. Well, now he becomes a follower of Jesus. He wants to be a part of the church. He's like you. He wants to have relationships with believers, right? Well, imagine if a known terrorist came in, sat down, Waymaker, you're like, whoa, what's going on, dude? Like, I don't know about this, right? So here's the problem. The problem was the Christians didn't trust that this was a real conversion. That's a problem. So how did he become a part of the church? Barnabas vouched for him. That's how their friendship started. When we talk about Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas is like this older mentee who helps Saul become a part of the church. That's powerful. And so eventually, uh, Barnabas, he's doing ministry in Antioch. He says, Saul, come work with me in Antioch. They're working together doing ministry. The Holy Spirit calls them in Acts 13 to go to the Gentiles. God's gonna open the door of faith to the Gentiles. That's you and me. That's people who aren't Jewish, right? <laughs> so 
God calls them. And in that moment on that first missionary journey, now, instead of Barnabas and Saul, it's now Paul and Barnabas. And so they share the gospel. They make disciples. They start churches. And they're doing it against opposition. It's not like they just, hey, we're going to open up a new church. And if we have just the right coffee and music, then, you know, people will come. No, it's people are insulting them. They're kicking them out of cities. They're, they stone Paul. They hit him with rocks. So think about the kind of friendship that would develop. Think about how deeply their commitment to Jesus and each other must have been. They were in the foxhole together. And so they went on this mission. The last thing that's important to know is not even did they go on this mission together, they actually showed up in the Jerusalem council together. Did y'all know that the church almost split apart very early on in church history? They almost lost it. Why? Because there were some Judaizers who said, oh no, it's not enough to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus and his death at the cross. You also have to be circumcised and obey the law of Moses. Who was it that fought back against that? Paul and Barnabas. They said, no, we're saved by God's grace. It's what Jesus did at the cross. They go to Jerusalem. The elders give them the verdict. Hey, y'all are right. They went back to Antioch, kept preaching and teaching. These are friends committed to Jesus, committed to his mission, committed to his truth. And it's these friends that have conflict. Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 36. After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, hey man, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord. And let's see how they're doing. So Paul had this idea, he pitched it to Barnabas. Let's go do follow-up. Let's encourage, make sure they're still following Jesus, all that good stuff. And let's watch how Barnabas responds. Verse 37. Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was also called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take along this man. <laughs> Didn't even say his name. This man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. So Paul suggested, hey, Barnabas, let's, let's do a second missionary journey. Let's follow up with these people that we've helped come to faith. And Barnabas is like, yes, let's do it. Mission trip 2.0, let's go. And Barnabas said, hey, let's bring our buddy Mark with us. Mark is actually the guy who authors the gospel according to Mark in your Bible. And Paul, you would think he'd be like, oh, yeah, let's go. He says, absolutely not. We're not taking Mark with us. Because they had already done this before in the first missionary journey. And Mark deserted him. He left him out to dry. So Barnabas is like, let's take him. Maybe Barnabas was better, the son of encouragement, Barnabas. Maybe he was better at, at helping people move from where they were to where God wanted them to be. You would think Paul could resonate with that. But he didn't. But Paul was dead set on, hey, this, you got to count the cost. You got to be all in. I don't trust this guy. Absolutely not. There's this disagreement so here, here's the first observation, and let me just say this. Preaching a passage like this is kind of hard. I kind of don't like passages like this because it's not prescriptive. In other words, it's not like God said, thou shalt do this. Because then I could say, hey, you should do this because God said it, right? In this passage, it's descriptive. So Luke, the guy who wrote it, he's just describing what happened. So I'm going to do my best to make three observations along the way and then try to apply it to our lives, okay? But this is, it's not like everything I'm going to say is like authoritative, thou, you know, 
Thou says the Lord, whatever. But here's the first observation. If you're taking notes, even upper story friends have conflict. Even upper story friends have conflict. If there was ever the poster children for upper story friends, it's Paul and Barnabas. And even they disagreed should they take Mark with them. You know, a couple of years ago, I was talking with college students. I think expectations in relationships, all kinds of relationships, it's so interesting. I was talking with these college students, and, and they were like, we're talking about marriage and dating and, you know, all these romantic relationships. And some of the students were like, well, you know, Preston, when you really love somebody, like, it just, like, happens, okay? It's just, like, you don't have to work for it. It just clicks, and there's no effort. That's what they're telling me they believe, right? Meg's laughing. She's like, those dang college students. Yeah, you're laughing because you're like, wow, wow. Yeah, no, that's not how life works. But just get out of romantic relationships. Think about, like, work. Think about business. Have you ever thought, man, the guys that I work with, the ladies I work with, there is so much drama and mess and conflict and backbiting. If I could just get hired at that organization, the most successful organization in my industry, then we wouldn't have these issues. Then, we, then the mess wouldn't be there because they write the books and, and they've got the people that speak on the platforms and they have got voted as a great place to work. Can I give you a secret? Even the best families, the best teams, the best marriages, the best churches, they have conflict. Did you know that? <laughs> I'm blowing your mind right now, aren't I? But think about it. If we have this unconscious belief, well, I have conflict in my friendships, but if I had those friends, there wouldn't be conflict. If I think anything like that, what happens the moment that conflict rears its head? I start to feel anxious. I'm like, oh no, oh no, 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 no. So what do I do? I do a couple of things. Maybe number one, I kind of withdraw and I distance myself a little bit and I try to, you know, not get as personal with them. Maybe I just get new friends altogether. Maybe I say, oh, I'm running away from that. I ain't, you know, I deal with that. Or maybe I appease them. Maybe I'm the doormat. And maybe I'd say, I'd rather they just walk all over me than have a fight. I'd rather them just win, 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 win than actually resolve this conflict. But if we shift the expectation, and some of you, you, don't, you already know this, you don't need to, but for some of us that need to shift the expectation and say, wait a minute, even Paul and Barnabas, they love Jesus? They were committed to his mission, to his truth? Even they had disagreements? Well, then surely me and my friends will. Surely New Life Christian Church will. If I believe that now and I expect it now, what happens when conflict raises its head? Well, I see it. I might get a little anxious, but then I can say, no, it's okay. This is normal. This is messy. This happens. And now I can keep a cool head and I can begin to work to resolve the conflict. So we've got to first just get our expectations right. Even upper story friends are going to have conflict. So Paul and Barnabas both agree, hey, let's go do another mission trip. But they disagree on who they're going to take. They ain't taking Mark. They want to take Mark. So let's see. This is a, a small thing, right? Like they, these two, they're such good friends. They could work through this, right? Verse 39. They had such a sharp 
disagreement that they parted company. Mm. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. That's so sad. Like, how does, does that hit you? Like, when I was reading this this week, it just is heartbreaking to me to think about these friends who have been through so much together. They go separate ways over who to take on a mission trip. Think about that. And I say that, and on the surface that's true, but I wonder if you relate to this. Have you ever had conflict with somebody and on the surface it's one thing, but really there's something underneath the surface the issue isn't the issue, it's, you know, what's behind the issue. Think about it. Was Paul that insistent that they could not take Mark just because, like, logically, he was like, absolutely not. This violates my core principles. No. Why, did, why was Paul so insistent? And I'm, I'm reading this into the text a little bit, but, but I think we see it when Paul said... He insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them and hadn't gone on with them in the work. Paul was hurt. But, but don't miss this. Paul was hurt not by Barnabas, but by Mark. Have you ever been in an argument or conflict with people where somebody is so mad at you and is tearing you down and has issues with you and you didn't even do anything with them? They're mad at somebody else. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're the one that's mad at somebody. You've been wronged, you've been hurt, and you're taking it out on this person instead of addressing it with the person who hurt you. I don't know who's right or wrong in this situation between Paul and Barnabas. Again, the Bible doesn't say. But it just seems to me like, I don't know, man, Paul had to be hurt. He had to be hurt to insist to this level. So here's the second observation. Conflict can cause upper story friends to part company. It can. Conflict can cause upper story friends to part company. A couple of years ago, um, at the church that we were at in Tuscaloosa, our elders were meeting, our staff was meeting, and we were talking about our building and what to do with our building. We had this really big building, and we tried to, like, use it on Sundays, and we tried to do community stuff in it during the week, and to be honest with y'all, it was a really old building. It, we weren't using it well to do either. And I just felt like one of my pet peeves is when churches just keep doing the same stuff and it's not working. And it's like, dude, this, you, this isn't in the Bible. You could do whatever you want as long as you're honoring God with it. We could do something different. And that would be better for God. And so I'm in that meeting and I'm just, we got to change this. we got to do something about this. And I'm like the 27-year-old, like, hot-headed punk, you know, just like stereotypical, right? Well, after the meeting, my mentor pulls me in his office. His name's Neil. And Neil was my college minister. He was a guy I apprenticed under when I first came into ministry. He's, he, he's kind of like an older brother father figure to me. He pulled me in his office, and he said, Preston, is this the hill that you want to die on? He said, he said, think about it. He said, you have put all of this relational capital investing in these elders, investing in this team, 
And maybe, maybe there are some things that you need to go all in on. You put all the chips on the deck, right? But is this it? And I thought about it, and I was, I was still heated. I was still just so mad about the whole thing. And I was like, yeah, but they're wrong. But they're not doing anything. Yeah, but, yeah, but am I okay with not dying on this hill? And I realized, no, this is not the hill to die on. There are hills to die on, and this is not it. And so I had to go to all those elders and say, guys, I sinned against you because I was angry. And I had to ask their forgiveness, and they forgave me. And that was a breakthrough moment for me because I actually obeyed what God wanted me to do. The reality is we got to count the cost because conflict is costly. It cost Paul and Barnabas a friendship. And if we don't think ahead, man, okay, wait a minute. If I get into it, this might drive a wedge between us. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your church you're part of. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your, your spouse or whatever it is. And so here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to picture your friends. Picture just let, let their faces kind of pop up in your mind, a couple of them. Or picture your spouse or picture the people you work with or picture people from church. Whoever it is you want to picture. Okay, you got that in your mind. Now I want you to seriously think for a second. What would I be willing to sharply disagree with them about and be okay with risking parting company? What are those hills that you actually would die on? You might have to keep thinking on it. But do you have a couple of things? Are you starting to think through it? Now, whatever those three, four, five things are, now take everything else that could ever possibly come up that you would disagree about and never, never let it separate you. Never argue about it so sharply that you could even risk losing that friendship, that spouse, that team, that church, whatever it is. Just decide. Decide right now before you're in the heat of the moment, before you're in the conversation, before your, your blood's boiling and you're getting excited and you're just yelling. And, no, decide right now. What am I willing to go all in on? And then what am I willing to say? You know what? I might disagree, but I'm not going to disagree in a way that could cause me to lose this friendship. Or otherwise, you might end up losing a friend over something as silly as who to take on a mission trip. So Paul and Barnabas, they part company. Now watch what happened next, verse 39. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. He traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So Paul and Barnabas, they get into this argument over to take Mark or not on the second missionary journey, and it's so harsh they part ways. But each of them got a new mission partner. 
And now instead of one mission team, there's now two mission teams. And they each go and they continue to preach the gospel, make disciples, and start churches. Even though they parted company, don't miss this, Paul and Barnabas were still united in Christ. They still were committed to the mission of Jesus. They were still a part of the same body. So here's the third observation. Upper story friends can part company and still be united in Christ. I've seen so many people, especially in this Christian context, I've seen so many people who have a bad experience with people they go to church with, with their friends, that they're a part of the same church together. It's such a bad experience that they deconstruct their faith. That they say, oh, well, I got burned by those Christians, so obviously Jesus isn't real. I've seen people who have been so hurt in Christian relationships that they say, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go to church, but I'm not going to go and make disciples. I'm not going to share my faith. I'm not going to serve and bless people. I'm not going to be about Jesus' mission. I've seen people who say, yeah, I believe in Jesus still, but I got hurt, and so I'm not into organized religion. I guess they're into disorganized religion. That's another thing too, but um, resolve. Resolve right now that even if you're hurt, even if you're betrayed, even if you're abused by friends in the church, you will never turn your back on Jesus. Resolve. You'll follow Jesus. You'll make disciples. You'll commit to the body of Christ. Guys, you might not want to be friends with me at some point. That's okay. But you have to keep following Jesus. You might not want to be friends with people in new life. You might not want to be a part of new life. That's okay. There's plenty of churches around the area. But you cannot let a bad relational experience cause you to have a bankrupt faith, to get off mission, to say, I reject the church. Resolve, no matter what. So what's God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? Maybe it's something that I've said. Maybe it's just something in the text. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit putting something on your heart. Whatever it is this morning, what's God saying to you? And I, and I probably should say this too, just to just so you hear me on this. Um, I want you to navigate your friendships well. I don't know if anybody here maybe has felt like, is he speaking to me? Is this about me? I'm just reading the Bible and applying it. <laughs> so no, I'm not trying to speak to anybody. But I do want you to navigate conflict well. So what's God saying to you? What are you going to do about it? Maybe for some of you, you need to adjust your expectations and say, I need to stop thinking that my friends should be perfect. They're messy. I'm messy. Conflict's going to happen. How can we resolve it? How can we forgive? How can we love? As, as if it's possible, as much as it depends on me, how can I be at peace with all people? Maybe that's what you need to start thinking. For some of you, it's you need to think, I'm, I'm in conflict. Is this really the hill I want to die on? And maybe today you say, nope, and I'm going to end this, and I'm going to go to those people today, and I'm going to hug them, and I'm going to apologize. Or maybe some of you are saying, you know what? I, 
this is a hill I need to die on. I do need to stand up for this. I do need to dispute this. I do need to have a sharp dispute and risk parting. And for some of you, maybe you've been hurt and you're at the place where you're just barely holding on. You're saying, I'm barely holding on to Jesus. I'm barely holding on to the church. I'm barely holding on to the mission. And I just want to invite you this morning, resolve, come back to him and say, yes, they did me wrong. Yes, it hurts. But I am a follower of Jesus, no matter what. I am a part of the people of God, no matter what. So go ahead, take a minute, two minutes, write something down on your phone, your notebook. What are you going to do to respond? Thank you guys for doing that. The reality is we can learn about how to navigate conflict from the Bible. We can apply it to our life. And this is true for me. This is true for you. We're still going to fail. <laughs> We're still going to mess up. We're still not going to be the friend that we need to be. People are still going to wrong us in our friendships. I love Proverbs 18.24. It says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Your friends will let you down, and yet there's one who won't. His name is Jesus. God sent his son Jesus into the world to live the perfect life, to die on a cross, to shed his blood. And God on the third day raised him from the dead he was seen by hundreds of witnesses. It was predicted in the scriptures hundreds of years before. And Jesus ascended back in front of witnesses in public to the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he will return again one day to judge the living and the dead. And the good news is, as jacked up as I am, as jacked up as we all are, faith in Jesus makes us right with God. Faith in Jesus forgives you of your sins. It gives you a new heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. It gives you hope for eternal life. Jesus, on the cross, no other way. God loved you and lavished his grace on you in the person of Jesus. And today, if you're not a follower of Christ, you can be a friend of Jesus. You can come to Jesus through faith. You gotta stop living your way and you gotta say, you know what, I'm gonna sur surrender. I'm gonna give Jesus control of my life. And trust me, when he's in control, your life is a whole lot better. <laughs> I know. You turn to him and you say, I believe Jesus is Lord with all my heart. Jesus is Lord and I want to follow him. And we could baptize you today. We'll fill the tub up, make it happen. If you are a follower of Jesus, by faith and the power of the Holy Spirit, be a friend that navigates conflict well. May we have the kind of friendships where we give grace, where we love, where we're level-headed, where we listen before we speak, <laughs> where we show forgiveness and kindness. Let's pray together. Father, we want to have great friendships. We want to be the kinds of friends that are faithful and loyal and loving and kind. And yet, God, we, we're human, and so it's really hard. 
And so, God, I know that there's some people in the room right now who this message really hits home with them, and they might be in conflict right now. God, I pray that you would minister to their heart, Lord, that you would touch them, that you would comfort them right now. God, I pray that that they would open up to other brothers and sisters in this room, Lord, part of this church, so that we can help them, so that we can minister to them. Whatever hurts are here, God, would you heal? God, help us. Help us to be a church that's committed to you and has life-changing friendships. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.